If you've enjoyed listening to Issues Etc. in 2023, please make a year-end gift to support this worldwide outreach. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our forthcoming book, Objections Overruled 3, Answering Arguments Against Christianity, and a new recording of 15 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution today at issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support at the end of 2023. The following is an encore presentation of Issues Etc. first stanza of the ancient hymn of the Father's Love Begotten. It's known as a Christmas carol. It's taken from something called a little melody called Divine Mystery, talking about the birth of Jesus Christ. I like the way it's put, of the Father's Love Begotten. Now, how can we squeeze the love of the Heavenly Father that beget in the womb of the Virgin Mary, the Son of God in human flesh, our Savior, how can we squeeze all of that into one day, Christmas Day? Well, we can't. Merry Christmas and welcome to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We're going to be talking about Christmas not only as a day, but also as a season, as a series of days. Pastor Will Whedon joins us. He's Director of Worship and Chaplain of the International Center for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate, author of the book Celebrating the Saints. Will, welcome back. Hey, thank you, Todd. What a joy to be with you guys today. My answer is you can't squeeze everything that there is to say about what God did in sending his son into human flesh and his birth there in Bethlehem into one day. That's why it can't be just a day. What do you think? Amen. Well, I mean, you know, listen to what the angels said. They, they said to the shepherds, we bring you good news of a great joy, you know, a, a a, a mega joy, if you want to play with the Greek there, <laughs> mega joy. And and you can't squeeze all that joy into just one single celebration one day. So what the church does in this feast, the same as she does in all of the celebrations of the church here, she takes the mystery that is Christ and she holds it up like a diamond and slowly turns it and lets the light shine through its different facets so that we can see and marvel in awe at what God is up to in sending Jesus into the flesh and in his suffering, death, and resurrection and in the promise of his coming again. She holds event after event up. This is kind of neat because, uh, how do I put this? The, 
you, you have the whole year and you want, you know that the, the church is called together by the word of God. So the word of God goes out and does its gathering of the people of God. And there's no scripture that says how you arrange the church here. There's no scripture that says what scripture you read on a given day. But the church in her experience of living with the word gradually developed this really cool way of letting the life of Christ overlay the year. And with the life of Christ overlaying the year, she then slotted scriptures into that entire thing so that the the whole counsel of God could be proclaimed to the people of God every single year. So the point of the season of Christmas is to proclaim the whole counsel of God regarding the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ is appearing among us in the stretch of these days. Why 12 days? It's not just a, a cute little ditty, but why the 12 days that the church observes the season of Christmas? This is a really phenomenal piece of history. Uh, I, congrats to Thomas Talley for really digging this out. In antiquity, it was very strongly believed that great men died on the day they were conceived, right? So in the church's early years, there were two varying traditions on the day in which Christ died. Some people said he died March 25th. That was prevalent in you know the area around Rome, that part of the Roman Empire. And in the Eastern part of the Roman Empire, the thought was, no, 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 it was April 6th. And uh, the church in her great wisdom simply did not decide the question. In the East, the birth on the, everything on the 6th, was, it was called the Feast of the Theophany, the Feast of God's Shining. In the West, it was slightly reduced to Epiphany, but uh, it, 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 the, in the West, the feast of his birth is the 25th. So if you look, th- these, are the, these are the two nine months, the nine months between. So because Christmas actually, and even now in the East, is observed as the birthday, the birthday of Christ, it stretches all the way up to the other date that was celebrated, the Epiphany, the the, the 6th of, of um, January. And if you count the days in between from December 25th to January 5th, you end up with 12 days. So the churches struck out across those 12 days, the joy of incarnation. So it was a grand compromise, which is not very common between the Western ah, and Eastern churches. That's absolutely right. Uh, and it's still, ref- I mean, I, I love that it's still reflect. You, you have something of this real ancient distinction a distinction between the two, even to this day in the hymns that show up on the different feast days. Uh, like, for example, in the West, we have a hymn, and I'm trying to think how it starts now. I always, I hate getting old, Todd. It deals with the slaughter of the innocents at Bethlehem. It's an epiphany hymn, though. It's an epiphany hymn. And this is a feast that actually, if you look at the events, I mean, we're going to be talking about it today as one of the ones that falls in the 12 days. So in the hymn and the prayers and the songs, you're just going to see this, this, um, mushiness of the two feasts holding the joy of incarnation between them from Christmas Day up to the feast of Epiphany. They 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 hold together. I think you're thinking, why fearest thou foherid? Why fearest thou? But that's not the way it's called okay. in, in our book. You're right. Um, but that is what it is on the CD. Why fearest thou foherid? Yeah, by uh, Luther translated that, um, but it was an old Latin hymn. So we have the day itself, and mm-hmm. I do want to talk about the day itself, we do something that we often do in the church, but we really do it with the celebration of Christ's nativity. And that is, we start the celebration early. Yeah, yeah. We start it the night before, and we say, we're not going to wait till tomorrow to do this. We know that his birth is celebrated on the 25th, but on the 24th, we are going to hold a vigil. Right. Well, I mean, until this. Uh, the church, I think, would probably put it 
I mean, they think like Jews, right? I mean, the, the ancient fathers. So beginning on the 24th is literally this. I mean, when the sun sets on the 24th is when the 25th begins in the, in the mind of the church. So just like Easter has its vigil, Christmas has its vigil. The unique thing about the Christmas vigil is it's actually assigned a time. It's right around midnight. This based on an, an interesting little snippet from the Apocrypha. I think it was uh, it was wisdom chapter 14, I think, or 15 or 18, somewhere in there. When all was still. Uh, when all was still and it was midnight, your almighty word, O Lord, descended from the royal throne. So the idea that it was, you know, it starts with the midnight service and then there's a dawn service and then there's the day service. Almost no parishes observe these anymore. I mean, we still observe the midnight and, and usually the one for the day, but the dawn doesn't uh, get much billing in most places. But but again, why three? Because you're spreading out the events. The, the start of Luke 1, or of Luke 2 rather, and then the I mean, the shepherds in the morning on Luke 2, and then, then the big Christmas Day service unpacking John 1. In the kind of the mountain range of feasts in the church year, I think I've heard you say there are, real, there are two real Everests, two peaks, one being Christ's birth and the other being his resurrection. Are these two, in a way, kind of the, the way that the life of Christ manifests itself? in the piety of the church? Yeah, I would argue actually that there are three, just like in the Old Testament. Um, and Pentecost is one of them. So, I mean, th- th- the story is not over till till you get to what it all happened for, for him to send the Holy Spirit to take up residence in us and uh, as the promise of the life to come. But I think that when you see this, you really, you, you begin to go, oh, so, I mean, you know what Passover is, that's Easter. I mean, you see how that ties in together. I mean, it's not an accident that it all happened right at the same time. Pentecost, same time as the Old Testament Feast of Pentecost, the ingathering of, of, of the Lord's fruitful fields, if you will. And then, then what is Christmas? It's the one, the other one that didn't really have a, a, a place that, that fit, and that's tabernacles. This is God dwelling among us. How was tabernacles celebrated, Todd? How did they observe it in the Old Testament? What did they do? Uh, they set up tabernacles is what they did. What did they do? So they, they cut down greenery. Think about it. And with all the greenery, they're celebrating this fact that God lives among his people. And we mentioned earlier that the third service for Christmas Day, John, John 1, that drives toward John 1, 14. And it's really kind of obscured in the English. You don't see it very well. But in the Greek, it's really clear. Um, you know, he dwelt among us. Literally, he, 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 he pitched his tent among us. He tabernacled among us. The word became flesh and tabernacled with us. God with us. Emmanuel. And this, that, that's the unique and great joy of that particular feast. And I don't think it's an accident that it's celebrated with, with the greenery. The biblical themes that we find in the season of Christmas, how would you describe them? Uh, there are a number of themes, but the overarching theme that really runs from Advent in through and celebrating Epiphany, believe it or not, is baptism, which sounds strange, but it's all about new birth. He takes, he, he assumes a human birth to give you a new birth. He didn't need a, a human birth. I mean, he's eternally the son of his father, but he became the son of the blessed virgin precisely so that the children of men could be born again as the children of God. From God, the father, virgin born to us, the only son came down by death, the font to consecrate the faithful to regenerate. There it is in one epiphany hymn, the opening line. It just lays it out there that the whole point is to give you 
a brand new birth to make you be children of God. So this theme of being a child of God is what runs through and unites a whole pile of the uh, historic readings together. So Christ's birth signals the church's anticipation of the rebirth in Christ. Right. He's He has come. Here, here's a human being who is going to live in an absolute unbroken yes to the will of his father from the moment of his conception through death to resurrection. It's all yes, yes, yes. You know, thy will be done. And that is the perfect righteousness into which we are born anew by the gift of baptism. That's credited to us, placed on us as ours. We show it in so many ways. You know, the, the white robe that goes over the newly baptized is a way of saying you've now been clothed in the righteousness of Christ, in his perfect, unbroken yes to the Father. That is now yours. You are now born again. Everything that's his is now yours. You are a child of the Father. You have a place at the Father's table. You have a place in the Father's home. You have a home with the Father. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest on this Sunday, December the 25th, we're talking about the Christmas season. It's not just today. It is a number of days, and the biblical themes will continue right after this. Listen to the best of the church's Christmas music during the entire Christmas season at LutheranPublicRadio.org. During the 12 days of Christmas, Lutheran Public Radio, LutheranPublicRadio.org. For nearly 140 years, the Lutheran Witness has taught the faith, defended it against error, and shown forth the great treasures of the Lutheran Church and biblical doctrine. We're continuing this legacy by publishing issues and articles that help you see the world from a Lutheran perspective and that teach biblical doctrine and show forth the treasures of God's Word. Visit our website to learn more and how to subscribe, witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Evangelical and Catholic. You're listening to Issues Etc. Sioux Falls, South Dakota has big city nemities with small town feel, civil freedom, and the natural beauty of its namesake waterfalls. It is also home to Christ Lutheran Church, where the living water, Christ himself, flows. Located near I-90 and I-229, Christ Lutheran offers divine service with Holy Communion each Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Learn more about this confessional liturgical parish at ChristSiouxFalls.org. Christ Lutheran Church, building upon Christ. When pastors talk about us, they say ad crucem. When laity mention us, they say ad crucem. When telemarketers call us, they say ADC Rucam. But a Luther Rose by any name will smell as sweet. Ad crucem is the place to go for greeting cards and artwork, jewellery and ornaments, housewares, church certificates, church banners and much more. Visit adcrucem.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, rejoice, ye Christians, loudly for our joy. 
Christmas hymn, O Rejoice Ye Christians Loudly. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. We're talking about the Christmas season. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest director of worship and chaplain of the International Center for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Folks, please help Issues Etc. finish in the black financially for the ninth straight year by making a year-end tax-deductible donation. Any size gift is deeply appreciated. You can make a secure online contribution at issuesetc.org. You can also make a year-end donation by check. Make your check payable to Issues Etc. and send it to Issues Etc. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois 62234. The address again, Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois 62234. Thanks for listening and thanks for thinking of Issues Etc. at the end of 2016. You started with the biblical theme of baptism, which baptism, is not yeah. not obvious to, to most people. Yeah, but it's there. What are the, some of the other themes? Um, another one that's really big, of course, is is the light that shines in the darkness. This this is crucial. What is this light? The, the church celebrates this. I mean, it's not a Gnostic kind of light. This is the light of divine love, which shines into the darkness of this world in the gift of the Son and through the gift of the Son to radiate into humanity. So this isn't enlightenment, no. like knowledge. Yeah, yeah, no. This is love. Love. In fact, is it okay if I just read a little bit of, of Von Schenk to you? Von Schenk was a crazy guy. I got to say that, right? You know, he, 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 is, he is absolutely uh, eccentric. But his preaching of, of this stuff is beyond marvel. Listen, God is love. He made us because he loved us and he gave himself at Bethlehem. But there's more to this. He gave himself so that we could love him in return. To love God is man's highest destiny. Thus, Bethlehem teaches man his highest duty, his greatest goal. And if people could find the way to Bethlehem, all problems and difficulties could be solved. When is man at his best? Is not a child of God at his best always when he gropes after God? The poet realized this. As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul for thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? This is not the cry of a helpless fanatic. This is the cry of man at his best. The most precious longing of the heart is to be at one with God. Jesus expressed this with his own lips on the night before he died, when he prayed for his disciples in that high priestly prayer, that they also may be one in us, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee that they may also be one in us, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. We're to be one with God through our faith in Christ, by our surrender to him. This union with God through our Lord Jesus Christ is to be so real, so complete, that the very love with which the Father loves the Son, that is the very divine love, the love of Bethlehem, the love of Calvary, is to radiate in and through us. That's our destiny. There can be no other destiny than this. We are to be so completely at one with God that our weak love is caught up with his divine love. And the result is we become channels of the divine love to others. The only thing which can satisfy man's heart is to love God so completely that man becomes the channel of the divine love to his fellow human beings. The only love which will affect our fellow men is this supernatural love. All other love is tainted with self-interest. And this is the reason why we often fail because we don't love with the divine love. If we could only love with the divine love, 
then our duties to our fellow men would become an expression of our divine love. It's the one thing we must ever seek in Bethlehem, that Bethlehem begets in us the divine love, a selfless, supernatural love, which is the Bethlehem love, a love which alone can ease the heartache of the world. When we fail in our relations with our fellow men, either at home or in business, it's because our love is tainted with self-interest. It's only the divine love which can make us irresistible. That explains a lot about how we were talking about the, the gospel for Christmas Day, of course, is John's telling of the birth of Christ, which he tells as light, light shines in, in the, the darkness. darkness. And it explains why that same John can go on when he writes in his epistles yes. so much about love. He's talking about the same subject, isn't it's he? The, light and love is the same subject. He has, I mean, there's no difference there. The, the light that shines into the darkness of this world is the love of a heavenly father, which is so unbelievable. He goes in search of us. I mean, he, he, he sends his own son into our very flesh to grab hold of us and bring us home to him in love. I mean, he gets nothing out of this. It's not like he, he is doing it for any self-interest of his own. He does it simply because he is love. That's a light that shines into this world. And oh boy, does this world need that light to shine. With that theme of light, there, of course, we never leave this behind in this fallen world. There will be the, the context of darkness. John even says the light is shining in the darkness. And this, boy, does this show. Let, let, let me, I mean, I, I think you're heading toward the rest of the days, but let me, let me pick up the, uh, the theme just in Mark. There's a carol that, that nails it. This little babe, just three days old, is come to rival Satan's hold. All hell doth at his presence quake, though he himself for cold do shake. For in this weak, unarmored wise, the gates of hell he will surprise. With tears he fights and wins the field. His naked breast stands for a shield. His battering shot are babish cries. His arrow looks of weeping eyes. His martial innocence, cold and need and feeble flesh his warrior steed. His camp is pitched in a stall, his bulwark but a broken wall. The crib, his trench, haystalks, his stakes, of shepherds he as muster makes, and thus is sure his foe to wound, the angels' trump alarm sound. My soul with Christ join thou in fight, stick to the tents that he hath pight. Within his crib is surest ward, this little babe will be thy guard. If thou wilt foil thy foes with joy, then flit not from this heavenly boy. <laughs> yeah. My favorite Christmas carol. That's just absolute. I mean, it nails it. The martial theme. He's come to do battle against your enemies. He's come into the flesh to defeat your enemies. And he does it with love. So we have light. We have darkness. There is this baby warrior there ready to do battle with sin, death, and the devil. What are the other themes? And then the, the days start rolling out. And it is always jarring to people that are not raised in, in the liturgy, and maybe even to those that are, that the day after Christmas, the church celebrates. I mean, well, Christmas is white, okay? The, the, the color of joy in the church, all the pyramids and all are white. The next day you walk into church and everything's clothed in red, red, the, the color of the blood of martyrdom. And the church celebrates on that day the uh, the feast day of Saint Stephen, and I, I would just like to, you know, Saint Stephen, Acts chapter six and seven, right? And I, I want to share 
the the words that Valerius Herberger, great Lutheran divine, wrote for for this feast day. It gives you a feel of what the church is up to celebrating these kind of days because it can be a little weird to people, you know. Isn't this awful Roman Catholic? You know, the throwing in of these saints' days and all that. And uh, how are we to understand what's being celebrated? The church right away starts with these with three martyr feasts, if you will. It's it's St. Stephen, St. John, and then Holy Innocence. And long ago, it's been noted that when, you, when you're dealing with St. Stephen, you're dealing with a man who was a martyr in will and in deed. And when you're dealing with St. John, a man who was a martyr in will, but who did not lay down his life for Christ in deed. Um, and then finally, the Holy Innocence martyrs in deed, but not in will. They're just innocent victims that way, yet their death testifies to Christ. So how, how, how would an old Lutheran centuries ago write about this, uh, th- this great feast? He says, Reverend Hearts, it's an old and laudable custom to commemorate St. Stephen on the second day of Christmas. For just as the innocent children were the first martyrs after Christ's birth, so also St. Stephen was the first after Christ's ascension to praise our glorious King Jesus with his blood. Our predecessors used to say, Yesterday Christ was born in the world so that today Stephen could be born in heaven. This is really speaking rightly and truly about the fruit of Christ's birth. If the Christ child had not been born, the entire world would be lost. So Stephen's sleep and death and entrance through the open heaven to the glory of God and eternal life will show us well what great usefulness and goodness we have from the incarnation and birth of the Christ child. Isn't that just gorgeous? So you're going to remember the saints. I mean, Hebrews tells us to do that, right? Remember those who spoke the word of God to you. And, and we know that uh, Hebrews chapter 12 says, after you know, 11, you have the long catalog of saints and then 12, you're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. With Jesus, he's never alone. He's always got his people with him. And so in the church, one by one, we pick up these people that are with him and let their story serve to cause us to give thanks to God, for us to imitate their faith, and their virtues. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. He's director of worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod and chaplain of the International Center for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. He's also author of the book Celebrating the Saints. Folks, as we approach a new calendar year, why not consider getting an associate's, bachelor's, or master's degree from Concordia University, Wisconsin. They offer 50 online educational options. Just click the Concordia University, Wisconsin logo at issuesetc.org. Enter the promo code ISSUES and they'll waive your application fee. Concordia University, Wisconsin online. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about Stephen and his martyrdom. John the Apostles also remembered in the 12 days of Christmas, along with what some people might consider a very un-Christmas-like story, although it coincides with Christ's birth. The Holy Innocence, that's the slaughter of the innocents. And what is the church doing remembering David during the 12 days of Christmas? We'll talk about all of that with Pastor Will Whedon right after this. week on the word of the Lord endures forever, we dive into Colossians with word of truth, redemption, the forgiveness of sins, preeminence of Christ, Paul's ministry, and God's mystery. 
Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for the Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. We know that you want to build your family on the right foundation from the very start, the foundation of Jesus Christ. Concordia Publishing House offers more than 8,000 products for churches, schools, and homes, dedicated customer service, and an experienced staff to help you focus on what matters most. Click to connect at cph.org. Concordia Publishing House, listening, responding, providing for God's people. Concordia Publishing House, cph.org. The Evangelical Lutheran Church holds that it is God who raises up men to serve His Holy Bride through His office of the Holy Ministry. At Concordia University, Chicago, we prepare men to take the first step on the path by which God leads them to His pastoral office. Are you ready to take the step? I'm Dr. James Ambrose Lee, Chair of the Division of Theology at Concordia University, Chicago. Learn more about the pre-seminary program at CUC by visiting cuchicago.edu. CUChicago.edu. Teaching your student to read should not be complicated. Memoria Press's Phonics uses common sense and the classical approach with their First Start Reading program for the most effective and efficient way to teach your child how to read. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Memoria Press. Saving Western Civilization, One Student at a Time. Equipping the priesthood of all believers, you're listening to Issues Etc. Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by becoming an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. Advent Lutheran, Zionsville, Indiana. Concordia Lutheran, Sykeston, Missouri. Grace Lutheran, Auburn, Michigan. Emmanuel Lutheran, Everett, Washington. Messiah Lutheran, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our Savior Lutheran, Ridgecrest, California, Redeemer Lutheran, Los Alamos, New Mexico, St. John Lutheran, New Berlin, Illinois, St. Paul Lutheran, Montevideo, Minnesota, Trinity Lutheran, Okmulgee, Oklahoma, and Zion Lutheran, St. Labore, Nebraska. Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including issues, etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to issuesetc.org Click Support, Donate, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Another joyful hymn of Christmas. Now sing, we now rejoice. We're talking about the Christmas season. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. Did you notice the light imagery? Yes. You know, now through his son does shine the Father's grace divine me. So there is love shining into this world through Christ. And how that ties to what we just said about Stephen. Because what does love do? 
when love meets hatred and opposition. Jesus told his disciples when he sent them out, the world's going to hate you. What are they supposed to do in face of the hate? To hate back? No. They love. And this is how they conquer, by loving. And so Stephen, Stephen preaches to them, brings them this incredible good news. They reject it. They kill him. And as he's dying, what do you see shining in this man's life but the divine love as he prays, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. (laughs) The Lord Jesus had already clearly received his spirit for the spirit of Jesus was speaking in and through Stephen. You saw it, this divine love. The next martyrdom, and you say this this of will but not of deed, right. is John. So, so we white on Christmas, red on St. Stephen's, and then back to white on St. John's. This is a day that the altar, I mean, the, 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 this is a week the altar guild hates. Uh, <laughs> you know, they have to keep changing the colors up on the altar. But white, because St. John did not die a martyr's death, the only one of the 12, according to the church's tradition, that did not. But he still suffered greatly. And in fact, he called himself, you know, uh, you know, your fellow sufferer in the tri- in the tribulation um, and the patient endurance, which are in Christ Jesus, as he was exiled to Patmos. But on this day, we remember especially the special gift that God gave us through this again, beloved one. John remembers identifies himself as the beloved disciple, the one, who, and he does that. He does that in his gospel, not so that you think, oh, well, Jesus is playing favorites, but so that you realize. He is standing in for you. (laughs) You also are the beloved one. And as the one whom Jesus loves, he still suffers in this world greatly, but it doesn't reach to the extent of laying down his life for Christ. He would have gladly done it, of course, by the grace of God, but he does not, he is not called upon to do that. So not everybody who would gladly be a martyr ends up being one. Another example of that, of course, is Martin Luther, who very happily would have died for the faith. And yet for, you know, he, he, he expressed regret when, when the two boys were, were martyred in Brussels, that he, that, that it was given to them and not to him. John kind of runs through Christmas in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah. John's gospel does. John's gospel is, is, we said the main reading on Christmas day, um, uh, there was a time in, in the church when that that reading was was read at the end of every divine service. <laughs> it, it's it's how everything ended all the time. So the people had these words uh, uh, learned by heart. And you think about all the gifts that God has given us through John, not just in the gospel, but in the um, in the epistles as well. In the iconography, John is usually shown with this eagle sign to to show that his gospel simply soars above the others in its depiction of the divine sonship. Everything is clearest in John. <laughs> I, I, I have a friend that sometimes is troubled by some of the stories in the Old Testament. And my, my, my standard answer is, have you read the gospel of John lately? Go read John. <laughs> it always has a calming, soothing effect. Is this is the highest beautiful picture of Christ that we could ever have. Thank God for each of the gospels, but John especially. Then comes, and this one comes because it's woven into part of the post-Nativity story by Matthew's Gospel, Mm -hmm. Uh, the Feast of Holy Innocents, which is, of course, we would call them the slaughter of the innocents, perhaps even. Mm -hmm. And you said martyrs in deed, but not in will. Yeah, their blood is shed, their lives are, are given in testament to Christ, and yet it was not involving their their own will, their Matthew identifies them quite specifically 
with the 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 the, the prophecy in Jeremiah. And this is fascinating because Jeremiah, of course, is talking. I mean, Matthew does this all the time. He'll cite Jeremiah or cite one of the prophets. And his intention, of course, he's writing to Jewish people, so he knows that they're going to read the rest of the story. And the point of citing that that part of the story is that the promise that God gives to the to the to um, Rachel weeping for her children that they will come again. He will bring them back. He will bring them home to you. Do not fear. And so this is what Christ came to do. He came to be the one who would bring back to every weeping mother's arms the child that she lost. Every last one brought back by him. He came to destroy death forever. He came to be the great joy. Think of the widow of Nain's son. This is what he came to do. You know, he, he sees death. He sees the heartache of death in, in, the, in, in the face of, of, of a mother's broken heart. And he is the one who comes to restore it. But in the story of Herod um, and, and what he does, Herod, of course, has only one intent. He wants to get rid of a rival king. Well, every one of us is is either Herod or the wise men. You either you, you either seek to get rid of him or you fall down on your face in front of him and worship him. There, there is no middle ground. And holy innocence sort of sets that whole thing up in front of us and lets us know that the darkness of this world, the darkness of hatred and violence and injustice, it's not unnoticed by God. And it will be redressed but his redress is resurrection. It's, it's where it where it's all comes down to. It's like, don't judge before it's over, um, but don't think that your tears haven't been collected in his bottle. Someone at this point might be saying, look, um, I kind of prefer the seven maids of milking and the eight swans <laughs> of swimming to the... To the, the somberness. To uh, Stephen martyred, stoned to death, right there at the very inception of the church. And then... You know, months, days after Jesus is is born, the Bethlehem innocents are killed because of Herod's hatred and his murderous intent toward the Christ child. That's not the way I want to spend my Christmas season. How do you respond? You know, Satan hates children. He hates them. He knows that it was from a child of the woman that he would be destroyed. And so he incites this hatred of children, this destruction of children throughout the world. And it is horrible to look at. But we need to look it square in the face and recognize why he hates children so. And we must recognize that Christmas itself only achieves its greatest light when it's held up against that darkness. It's only when we see this irrational hatred and persecution of the human body and he hates the human body as much as he hates children because he knows that it's in a human body. He's defeated. This whole cultural ridiculousness we're caught up in is a fight against the human body and the truth that God has written in a human body. Um, this this is something that he came to set right, not not by not by hating us, but by loving even those who would destroy. I mean, the, Herod thought he was getting rid of his rival. And he didn't even realize that Christ came to get rid of the thing that was really hunting Herod down and that would soon take Herod's crown that he was fighting so desperately to keep and that he couldn't keep. The Christ child was on his side. It was on his side and came to destroy his enemies. And he didn't believe it. The world is still the same way today. Do you remember a pastor's conference when we were both pastors in the same district? Dr. Lewis Brighton 
gave a presentation. He was talking about some of the things you mentioned there. And you, it was a presentation on the Holy Family. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about abortion thing. There's, there's, it makes perfect sense for the devil to push abortion because he despises all children because he despises the Christ child. Yep. And if he can't get the Christ child, he'll, he'll go after all of the children as much as he can. I mean, it's, it, it's just, I mean, we saw it in Revelation, right? And it's, it's there in Revelation 12. <laughs> he goes after the woman and her children. And, and Brighton said God's answer to this is, is the holy family. To give through, by promise and by the power of his word, to give a child into this world through a human mother and God the Heavenly Father, the guardian Joseph, the answer and the one who would eventually defeat Satan, not by matching Satan's tactics, but by sacrifice. By sacrifice, by love. By love, he defeats Satan, which is, I mean, he gives himself entirely, which is love. And that's what he came to do. Yeah, no, the Holy Family is indeed the answer. I, I, the, the the Sunday after Christmas in um, modern Roman use actually is devoted to the Holy Family um, and, and to meditating on, on the nature of that family. Um, Does the Holy Family kind of explain why David is in the 12 days of yeah, Christmas? Yeah. Because he's kind of the progenitor of both of both. Mary and Joseph. And, yes. Yeah. Mary and Joseph, the, the 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 mother and the guardian of Christ, both descend from from David, and so he is indeed commemorated. We don't have a, a festival of him, but we we just note that he has his day, and we commemorate him, and we remember that it is from this family, this very flawed and sin filled family, that God steps down into humanity with His sinless Son to bring us back to the true family, to the Father, to our home, to what we were made for. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about another day that is observed at the very end of the 12 days, actually two commemorations at the end of the 12 days of the Christmas season, both the circumcision of Jesus and his naming. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. He's director of worship and chaplain of the International Center for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and author of the book, Celebrating the Saints. If you've enjoyed listening to Issues Etc. in 2023, please make a year-end gift to support this worldwide outreach. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our forthcoming book, Objections Overruled 3, Answering Arguments Against Christianity, and a new recording of 15 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution today at issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support at the end of 2023. Join Lutherans for Life and Why for Life in Washington, D.C., Thursday, January 18th through Saturday, January 20th, for the 2024 Why for Life Free Conference. Registration is open through December 15th. Learn more at why4life.org. Great events, speakers, and social time. The 2024 Why for Life Free Conference, January 18th through the 20th in Washington, D.C., whyforlife.org. The faith once for all delivered to the saints. You're listening to Issues Etc. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. 
Dial A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. For your next family vacation, consider Our Beach House, a charming three-bedroom vacation rental on beautiful Siesta Key. Just off Sarasota, Florida, Siesta Key Beach, consistently voted America's Best, is just 100 steps away. Whether you're watching the sunset over the Gulf of Mexico or frolicking in the warm surf, you and your family will fall in love with Siesta Key. Check us out at SiestaKeyRentalGenie.com or call Virginia at Christmas hymn, We Praise You, Jesus, at Your Birth. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. We're talking about the Christmas season. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest, Director of Worship and Chaplain of the International Center for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, author of the book Celebrating the Saints. These days that we're talking about here in the 12 days of Christmas are all covered in the pages of Celebrating the Saints. You can browse before you buy under the Listen On Demand page at issuesetc.org or call Concordia Publishing House weekdays during regular business hours, 1-800-325-3040. Ask for Celebrating the Saints by Pastor Will Whedon. 1-800-325-3040. David has this commemoration here, and we're, and we're simply remembering the man. But so much of what Christmas, so much, David gets his play in oh, yeah. all the Christmas narratives. Yeah, yeah. He's in the background, standing there in the House background. House of David, City of David. I mean, yeah. It's, Unto it's, you was it's, born this day in the city of David. The throne of his father, David. Yeah, I mean, no, it, it, it's huge. David David is, is big. But I do think if we look at it in sort of a logical progression, you have, so God comes into the flesh to give love. And the consequence of that is that his love is going to be given to you fully and completely, but it will be rejected. And your love that you share as you share that divine love, it'll be rejected. And, and that doesn't mean that you stop loving. He gives you the power to continue to love. This is his divine love. It, it, you know, with divine love meets rejection, it spreads its wide, its arms open and goes to the cross. Von Schenk again. And then David reminds us this divine love is given to sinners. David reminds us it comes from sinners and it's for sinners. David is quintessentially uh, the, you know, the, 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 the sinful anchor, if you will, that, that makes it clear, this is what, this is whom this good news is for. But what the, the, the feast that we're moving up to, you need to talk about next um, is, is one that says, and how is he going to address this issue of sinners? How's he going to actually remedy it? He comes in our flesh. Yes, but he comes to actually do something. 
And here, here we have a, a feast that if you thought all the rest of it was weird, the world thinks you are insane. If you get up on New Year's Day and go to church to sing about a little baby having the foreskin of his penis cut off 2,000 years ago. But that's what the church celebrates on that day. That actual act. The physical act of Christ going under the knife in his infant body. Because this this ties to so, so, so very much. Two things are, 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 are depicted to us in this act. Number one thing, the law required this. He's, he's the Lord of the law. He's free of it. Yet he willingly submits to the law. It's the initial act of obedience that will characterize his entire life. His entire life will be lived in conformity with the law. Paul says, you know, go ahead and have yourself circumcised as long as you keep the rest of the law. I have to keep the whole thing or it doesn't do you any good. Jesus does. Jesus does. He's <laughs> the only one, right? So his, his being circumcised is the start of what we call his active obedience. His yes to everything that is asked of him in the law, a life of 100% love to God above all things and 100% love to the neighbor without fail, no excuse. But this same act begins with blood, the shedding of blood. And that shows us that he has come to also be the sacrifice to give his passive obedience, his bearing in the flesh, the consequences of all of our sins. He's come to fulfill that as well. So this feast day joins together active and passive obedience of Jesus, and it wraps it all up with the big joy in the name. The name is huge. You know, in the Bible, God doesn't just waste names. They're not, they they always are, are big deals. And you think about when he takes Abraham, he puts the H in his name. Abram becomes Abraham. You know, H is the big letter in, in Yahweh's name. Y-H-W-H. Um, same with Sarah. She gets an H. So, I mean, he, he's always changing people's names or naming people. So when this child is given a name before his birth by the angel, told both to Joseph in the dream, Matthew 1, and to Mary in the encounter with the angel in Luke chapter 1, the child is to be named Jesus is to be named Joshua, if you will. Yahweh saves us, or better yet, Yahweh saving us. That's what you're going to call this kid. And that's the name that's given on this day of the circumcision, the day that he begins his perfect obedience, the day that he foreshows, already foretells his bloodshed um, by the shedding of, of his infant blood. And, and this is how Yahweh will save you by being perfect righteousness and by suffering the consequences of your sin. He's doing his name. He's doing his name. Yeah, that day, the name begins to be done. He's, he's doing it and he'll do it all the way through to Calvary and resurrection. He's also there, thereby, and it's not explicit in the text of his circumcision, which is a very short text. Yeah, indeed. it's the shortest gospel <laughs> of the year, one verse. Yeah, But he's also there, he is a son of Abraham, Yes. He's declared to be a son of Abraham. That is declared to be the seed right. that Abraham right. is promised. Yeah. Our, our, our dear professor, Dr. Hummel, always said, you know, the sign of circumcision is put in the logical spot so that you would remember that God had promised that through the seed, 
um, all, all the, all the families of the earth, all the nations of the earth would be blessed, right? So Jesus receiving circumcision is the, it's sort of the last circumcision that really counts, that really matters. The only one that finally really mattered. This is the one that says, I am the one who has come into the flesh to bring blessing to every family of the earth. And the blessing he gives by his active and passive obedience is to give this gift of love that brings us into the divine family brings us into the family of God. So make this case as we started talking about 12 days. Make the case why we ought to not leave Christmas behind too quickly, not just let it linger for a day or two. And not sentimentalize it. Right. I mean, to me, that's huge. But let the church in its wisdom guide us through the 12 days. Make that case. Because if the church is going to, I mean, the the church plants the story of Christmas not as a fairy tale, but as a real life history that has consequences for your life now. And it plants it into this world to prepare you to live in this world as a beloved child of the heavenly father. It lets you know that you are beloved in the gift of the son and what he came to do for you. It lets you know that God's will for you, that true, true blessedness in this life comes from you radiating the love of the father through the son in the spirit in your life. And it, very clearly lays out to you what's going to happen when you let that love radiate from you. You, you know, it, it, it does not in any way hide the fact that you will be um, faced with suffering and hate. There'll be those who rejoice in it, of course, um, like St. John, but there will also be those, and St. Stephen, but there will be those who will persecute and, and, and try to stomp out that light that, that's shining in your life. And yet it equips you through those days for being a faithful martyr, a faithful wit. I mean, all the word martyr means is witness, a faithful martyr, a witness to the love that God has given to the world in the person of his son. And if you think you can squeeze that into one single service, you're crazy. It can't be done. You know, that's why it does spread itself out across these uh, couple weeks to actually call the people of God to, uh, to the great rejoicing that is theirs. So speak to someone who's listening tonight and who says, look, I've been listening. This God coming into our world in human flesh, it sounds great. But how do I know that he came for me? How would you respond to that? Mm. You go, you need to go to Bethlehem. And to go to Bethlehem, you need to go where the child of Bethlehem will come to meet you. And he tells you, you don't need to worry about it. He nails it for you when he says, this is my body given for you. This is my blood shed for you from the moment of my circumcision to the moment of Calvary. My blood shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sin. And he promises you that there you meet him. There he is there for you at the altar. You find Bethlehem at the altar. That's where you find your Jesus in the Holy Communion, in the Holy Eucharist. This is the great joy of why why we call it Chris Christ Mass. Christ, maybe mass is just that funny word for the divine service, right? So it's the Christmas divine service. It's the Christ divine service. It's the divine service where you go and meet Mary's baby, the eternal father's son, still in human flesh and blood, coming to you to give you a share in his divine life by pouring into you his love. Pastor Will Whedon is director of worship and chaplain of the International Center for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. He's author of the book, Celebrating the Saints, Will, a blessed Christmas to you and to yours, and thanks for being our guest. Thank you, Todd, to you and yours too, and to all the hearers.
This week on Issues Etc., we'll study the Christmas hymn, Let All Together Praise Our God, with Dr. Arthur Just. We'll talk with Dr. Peter Scare about the virgin birth, and we'll discuss the top religion stories of 2016 with Terry Mattingly. Listen live or on demand at issuesetc.org and on the Lutheran Public Radio mobile app. You can also listen to sacred Christmas music 24-7 on the LPR app and at lutheranpublicradio.org. Listen right now and throughout the 12 days of Christmas. Lutheran Public Radio, sacred music for the Christmas season. You know, it is impossible to, for the church to squeeze in the joy of Christmas into one or two days. In fact, it's impossible to squeeze it in to even a season of 12 days. This is why the church continues to celebrate that we know God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, only through the incarnate Son, Jesus Christ. He has come to make him known. And how has he made him known? Well, first by shedding his blood in perfect innocence, even in his childhood, keeping the law perfectly there from his circumcision all the way to his obedient death on the cross, where again he shed his blood for the sins of the world, making sacrifice and atonement for my sins and your sins. This is the joy of Christmas. The joy of Christmas is, in fact, nothing other than the cross of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Without that, it's just another baby being born in some small town. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening to Issues Etc. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.